children. From the very beginning, it was the children who gave me my power. The Springwood Slasher. That's what they called me. Dozens of children would fall by my blades. <laughs> then the parents of Springwood came for me, taking justice into their own hands. Ready, We know what you want. I want it all! Of course you do. Then open up. You shall be forever! That was then. This is now. Springwood's nightmares are just beginning. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike McMasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, it's an awesome day for me. Uh, I just found out that my favorite band, who hasn't been together for a couple years, decided to get back together, announced it today. I'm just so, just so pumped up. It's just good times. I just recorded an Underground Hour episode, and uh, you're now getting this the following day. And I hope you will enjoy this episode. This is going to be an interesting one. This is the first time ever that I will be reviewing a whole entire series in one episode. See, originally, this was going to be broken up into three episodes. The first episode was going to be the very worst of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. The second episode was going to be the second best of the series. And then finally, the last episode was going to be the very best of the series. But uh, if you don't know already... Earlier this month, things have happened in my family life, on my wife's side, and then on my side, my grandmother passed away. So uh, things just went really, really crazy. So needless to say, I I decided that I was going to do everything in one episode. And uh, it's going to be fun. You know, I'm definitely going to go through each movie. Uh, I'm going to be... I'm going to be brief, but I'm going to be to the point. I'm going to try to be as informic and uh, review each movie as best as possible, but without taking too long of time because with so many movies, I don't want this to be a very long three or four hour episode. So obviously you have things to do. I have things to do. So I'm hoping it's going to be a good time and uh, I'm pretty excited for what's in store. So before we get into the review of all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, let's do some really quick movie and music news. So for the first thing in movie and music news, RoboCop. Now, RoboCop, as you know, 
uh, has had some very interesting things happen uh, recently. They decided they're going to push back RoboCop. They're not going to release it in 2013 after all. They've decided they are going to move it to February 7, 2014. Uh, I'm not sure that's a good thing, man. It sounds like they're just having problem after problem after problem. I've uh, seen some recent set photos and I'm not too impressed like I said I have some issues with the costume but you know I'm gonna give it to the trailer you know I'm gonna let them do some movie magic let's see if they can get this thing looking looking pretty sweet you know again we don't know the context of the photos that have been released at this point but you know like I said I'll give anything a shot you know but based on my first initial premise of how things are looking I wasn't I'm not excited things are just getting worse and worse at I me mean, I was so stoked for this film and so excited, especially here in the cast, you know, Michael Keaton, Samuel L. Jackson, but, you know, House Left, and uh, just there's been rewrites and pushback and everything, so we'll see how it goes. You know, like I said, I gotta see a trailer, and uh, hopefully my expectations can change for the film, so. Alright, so in other movie news, uh, this one is just, this sucks. So The Miz. The Miz is a wrestling star. He's uh, from WWE. And he's just a real annoying guy. Just, uh, I'm sure in real life he's probably a really nice guy. But anyways, he's attached to do a new movie. For WWE Studios and ABC Family, they're doing this uh, upcoming television movie, Christmas Bounty. It's in 2013. It will premiere on ABC Family. So I know you're like, Mike, you should probably save this for CCP News. But... You know, it's still kind of a movie, but anyways, it's going to be an action-filled comedy about a former bounty hunter who turns elementary school teacher. So, can we say Kindergarten Cop, anybody, rip off, but oh well, it is what it is. I'm not very excited about this because, you know, it's got The Miz in it, and I can't stand The Miz. But for all you wrestling fans out there, The Miz is going to be doing a movie, so keep an eye out for that in 2013. Alright, now other interesting, very cool news. The new X-Men, or I should say Wolverine film coming out next summer. Well, confirmation has been set that this film is not set after the prequel, X-Men Origins. You know, the movie that most people didn't like. It is in fact set after X-Men The Last Stand. This is it. This is like X-Men 4 in a way. I mean, here's kind of why I'm excited. Yes, it's Wolverine-based movie and he's going to be in Japan. But the fact that this is taking place after X-Men and not before X-Men means that we could possibly get cameos from anybody of the X-Men films. How cool would that be? I think that'd be pretty flippin' awesome. So I'm excited for that fact and that fact alone. I think it'll be very, very cool. Sounds like they're heading in the right direction. And I hope more people like the Wolverine film that comes out next summer than the one that was delivered uh, before. Again, I like it most. I like it more than most people, but I can see why everybody had some major issues with it. So that's very, very exciting news for me. And the last bit of movie news, because like I said, I don't want to do a whole lot of movie and music news, but the last bit is there was this really cool photo that was uploaded a couple days ago of Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie called Ten. Man, he looked really cool. He had some tattoos on his neck and on his uh, forearm. And he's got like this police Kevlar vest. I mean, he looks like Commando Part 2. It's pretty flippin' sick. And uh, I'm telling you, man, the dude is pushing it, man. I'm I'm flippin' great. Uh, He is skipping Terminator 5, but he is going to The Legend of Conan. Uh, That's going to be, I guess, the title. 
and uh, he loves Conan and I'm not sure how much he's going to be in it but he will be in the new Conan film but it looks pretty cool man in, in his uh, his picture of uh, 10 that's just the name not the number but just spelled out 10 T-E-N he looks pretty cool so go check it out type in Arnold Schwarzenegger look for a picture of him at 10 and uh, I think you'll be pretty impressed man he's still looking good man for somebody who's like 80 years old so that is it for uh, for movie news. Let's get into some music news real quick. Now, you've probably already listened to the latest Underground Hour episode, which was episode number five. And uh, if you did not, please go and download that. And the uh, slow jam, as you know, track number three is always the slow jam of the episode. But track number three was Pillar, and I played uh, Better Off Now. And uh, they also closed out on episode four. The last tune was for the love of the game. So obviously you guys have been getting to hear some Pillar, you know, my favorite band. Well, needless to say, I'm excited because today it was teased that there was a video of what could they be announcing, which we all had common sense that they were going to be getting back together. But they officially confirmed that today it was at like one o'clock and uh, the vi- it's just been I'm just very excited. I mean, these guys haven't been together since 2000. Oh, 2008 sorry I, ha- I had to look away to look at the year they haven't been together since then and uh man i'm just so excited they took the time off they needed they're coming back together and uh they're gonna make an incredible album i can't wait and then in uh music news that people are gonna know about if you didn't know already taylor swift's new cd came out this week i'm already sure you know that Tons of promotion for it. I mean, there's actually a crazy promotion at like Papa John's. I think if you order pizza, you get the CD free or something like that. But she's got a really cool... Uh, I, I went to Walmart today, and I already knew that the album was number one because it's number one on iTunes. It pretty much hit number one right away. Number two right now is Kedrick Lamar. Number three is Jason Aldean. But there's something really cool that, uh, that Taylor Swift did that I've noticed has kind of become a trend. Uh, or starting to pick up and i should say i saw it first with no doubt and that's like this uh this book edition you go to the rack and there's the cd and it's the normal cd and next to it is like a book and if you open it up it includes the cd usually a poster and like something else for like two or three bucks more not too crazy and I like it because, you know, my daughters, you know, they love Taylor Swift. I could buy that, get the CD. It's got all the exclusive songs that the regular CD has, and then it has a poster in it along with something extra. So for like two or three bucks more, you get rewarded with something like that. I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I believe it's probably it's going to pick up. I think other artists are going to be doing this too. It just, it kind of looks like a DVD. That's essentially how big it looks. And I dig it. It's pretty cool. So go to your local Walmart and go in the music rack and you'll see what I'm talking about. You'll see the regular CD and then next to it, it looks like a book version. But if you if you look below it, since No Doubt CD came out a few weeks ago, they, they were the first one I ever saw to do that. So Taylor Swift just simply went ahead and, you know, uh, did it did it herself. So I think it's going to be kind of a trend and we'll see if that picks up. Otherwise... You know, I thought it was pretty interesting. So, yeah, obviously she has the number one album. Doesn't surprise me. Uh, It's pretty good. It's pretty diverse. Uh, I'll give a full review on that later. I still have to digest it, go through every single song. I've listened to about half of it. And uh, so far, so good. Uh, It's more diverse than her other CDs. So, good times. 
And uh, that's it for music news. That's it for movie news. I'm just very excited to get into Nightmare, and I have a lot of them to talk about. So let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, let's get right into it. The the series review of Nightmare on Elm Street. Kramer, the creator of Scream, comes the horror series that started it all. All seven Nightmare on Elm Streets are fully remastered and available on DVD for the very first time. And all seven DVDs will be available only in a Platinum Series collector's box set. The Platinum Series continues to raise the standard for DVD and features extras you've only dreamed of. Your wish is my command. A bonus DVD, the Nightmare Series Encyclopedia, the most comprehensive, mind-blowing features and menus that have ever been created. Plus, interviews with all seven directors, cast members, and crew, including feature-length commentary from director Wes Craven. He's real, isn't he? Right! The first 3D DVD sequence from a major studio, glasses included. Jump to a nightmare scene navigation for all seven films. And that's not all. Groundbreaking DVD-ROM content, including eight original trivia games, all seven screenplays, plus your computer will be haunted by interactive ready from togglethis.com. After years off the shelves, all seven films return to video digitally remastered. Each edition includes the film's theatrical trailer and never-before-seen interviews with the film's director, available individually or a commemorative box set. So be sure to get the series that stars Johnny Depp, Lawrence Fishburne, Patricia Arquette, and more. I am eternal. Nightmare on Elm Street. Each newly remastered movie is available individually on VHS or commemorative box set and a Platinum Series DVD set. Original Nightmare also available on DVD. No tricks, just so many treats. It's frightening. Alright guys, Nightmare on Elm Street talk time. Now, if you don't know, if you know, just in case you're a new listener and you haven't looked back in the past, I've already reviewed Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first movie. It's one of my first episodes, so it's kind of short, didn't have a lot of information in it that, you know, I listened back to it and I thought it kind of sucked pretty bad. But uh, I did make a few points, various points on that particular movie. So since I've already covered the very first movie, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it during this review. And I also touched base on it with the uh, with the remake. However, I mentioned various things about the series, but I kind of glossed over them, which I'm going to spend that time now talking about. So starting with the first movie, obviously it's a classic. I can tell you right now, though, it's not my favorite of the series. I'll tell you right off the bat, number three is my favorite of the series, which I think... If most people, most people definitely agree it's the best sequel, but not a lot of, I don't know. Maybe a few people put it over the original. Most people are like, oh, the original is the best. The original is the best. For me, number three is the best. And of course, when I get to that movie, I'll explain why. But I mean, number one is definitely a classic. I I don't doubt that one bit. I think it's a great film. And considering the fact of the budget, I mean, obviously, Wes Craven, he wrote and uh, directed this movie. I mean, the movie was made for $1.8 million, which, you know, Halloween was made for less than that. I mean, look at that. I mean, if you don't know already, Halloween, John Carpenter's Halloween is my favorite horror movie of all time. Not that Rob Zombie trash, but the real 
you know, John Carpenter's Halloween, which I'm very excited about is coming back. If you don't know already, it's already been probably at your local theater. For me, it's coming back on Tuesday. This coming Tuesday, it'll actually be in my local theater on the 30th. So I'm pretty excited for that. But, uh, you know, this movie had a budget of $1.8 million. Box office was $26 million. Heather Langenkamp, Nancy was introduced. I love Heather Langenkamp. There's some podcasts out there that absolutely hate her, say she doesn't have any acting abilities, so on and so forth. I think she's great. I don't have any issues with her. She was always my second favorite female heroine outside of number one being Jamie Lee Curtis in the Halloween series. Nancy, a.k.a. Heather Langenkamp, was always my second. For me, the trilogy of Nightmare on Elm Street begins with one, three, a new nightmare. That's always how, if I want to watch the Nightmare on Elm Street movie, those are the three that I watch. That's my trilogy. Kind of like with Halloween, my trilogy is number one, two, and H2O. Same thing applies for the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Now, as I said in my original review, um, I kind of went through this whole entire movie in regards to what I like, what I didn't like. Obviously, um, there's a there's a lot of things that I like. So if you really want to hear what I have to say about the original, please go back to that episode and and listen up. But I will give you kind of highlights. I love the music. I love the score. Uh, it's great. I mean, obviously, there's no, I don't know, there's a song at the end of the credits. It's a nightmare. I'm talking the score. Uh, I think the score is great. It's obviously um, very, very well done. Uh, for me, it's second best horror score next to Halloween. It's very creepy. In this movie, we have Fred Krueger instead of Freddy Krueger. So he's definitely a different character. He's he's hidden in the shadows. You really don't ever see him until the end of the movie. This is really the most scariest Freddy you will ever get. Uh, I think the the time where I thought he was the most scary again was in New Nightmare. And then in Freddy vs. Jason, I thought he was really, really scary. Uh, but the thing is, man, is that uh, he the reason why he's the most scary in this one is because he doesn't talk very much. When he does talk, very little. He's hid by the shadows. He's got the creepy tongue thing. And he doesn't make any jokes. You know, you could argue that the whole I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy, is a joke. But really, it's, you know, I'm going to kill your boyfriend. You know, nothing you can do about it. So for me, you know, Freddy is the most scariest in this film. So I really dig Nightmare on Elm Street 1. I think in my original review, I gave it like three and a half, week four stars. I still stick with that rating. I think it's a solid film. And uh, I think it still can be scary to this day uh, for a newer audience. Obviously, you're kind of jaded at this point. You know what to expect. These movies aren't scary anymore if you're older. You know, things can creep you out. But actually being scared, I haven't been scared in uh, I don't know how many years I've, of watching movies. I don't get scared anymore. I just get shocked. Or like, oh, maybe like... It's a little bit suspenseful, but I've never been scared out of my gourd for a very, very long time. But these movies are great. You know, if you were to show it to somebody who's never seen it before and uh, and maybe they get scared from horror movies, this would be the perfect film to show them. So overall, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, recommend that sucker. It's great. For me, it's the third, it's the third best of the series. All right, so let's move on to number two. Freddy's Revenge. And this movie is the worst of the whole entire series. This movie completely sucks. And I mentioned that in my original review, but I didn't go into details why this movie completely sucks. And I'll be honest with you. The fact that we actually got 
a number three is a complete miracle because by today's standards, if this movie was released, there's no way you would ever get a three. I mean, look at Friday the 13th, the remake, you know, it done, it did very well at the, at the theater, but you never got a sequel to it. They just kind of killed it. Same thing with nightmare on Elm street, the remake, they're never going to make a sequel to that movie either. You know, today's standards, things are held up to a very high fashion. But back then, because of the fact of the budget for this movie was like $3 million and made $30 million, they decided that, hey, sure, why not? Let's make a number three. So I am very happy of the fact that they were able to continue the series because, in all honesty, when you get to number three, they totally reboot the series and just forget that this one even exists for good reasons. So what's the deal with Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Why do I hate it so much? Well... Here's a couple of reasons why. Number one, it doesn't follow by its own rules. And as you were established in part one, Freddy stays in the dreams, as you know. You know, you can pull him out of the dreams, but Freddy in this particular movie, he like possesses Jesse. It's like he is in one by the end of the movie, it's like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Whichever person is overpowering the other is the one in the body because he'll eventually possess Jesse, come out in the real world, and he'll kill people in the real world. It's ridiculous. It's totally past what the rules are set up from the first movie. Number one, Freddy is only in this movie for about 14 or 15 minutes. You know, the whole gay subplot that they have going on in the background is kind of laughable now. You know, I don't give a care really that there's this whole that Mark Patton, that Mark Patton is really gay in real life. And, you know, the director, I think either him or the director is really gay in real life. And that was a secret agenda to make it like that. I do see the connections. I think it's funny. A lot of the connections are like when he leaves, um, you know, Lisa's house and he's got to go run to Ron to to Grady's house and and talk to him and to get comfort from him. You know, there's different things. There's the S&M club and all this and that. But in all honesty, the beginning of the movie is fantastic. I love the way the movie starts off. You know, you have the real Robert England as the school bus driver. It's real scary, real creepy. It's good stuff. Uh, obviously, a nightmare on my street to Will Smith, you know, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Or, sorry, DJ Jazzy, Justin, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That song, Nightmare on My Street, which I played on the original review, they really take the song and play off of this movie. But that song is more scary and more in line with the first movie than this whole entire movie is. I mean, there's some weird things going on. Like, when you get to the end, there's like the demon dogs. Like, where do they come from? I do like the pool party scene, though. That's kind of cool and kind of funny. Like, it's okay, man. It's okay. No one's going to hurt. You know, and Freddy just goes off on him. I mean, he definitely looks he looks flipping ridiculously even more evil than he did in the first one. I love the way he looks. He looks cool. But like I said, he's not really in it. You know, it, it essentially reverses number one. Instead of a guy, you have a girl. Instead of a drunken mom, you know, a forceful mom, you have a forceful dad. 
And, you know, they kind of reverse everything around from the first one. Lisa, though, she's all cool, man. She's all like, yeah, you know, Jesse's always pushing her away and she just totally takes it and doesn't really care. Uh, you know, I mean, this is the kind of girl you want to have around. It's like, yeah, he just keeps pushing her away and pushing her away. And she's all, she's always there for him and stuff. I, I like Lisa. I thought she was a good, I thought she's a good character. Um, Grady is definitely interesting because, you know, he definitely has uh, sexual tension with Jesse. You can totally see that throughout the film. But I guess what really totally makes this crazy is the ending supposedly love is what takes out freddy like you know freddy's inside of jesse and she's trying to tell him that you know fight freddy fight freddy i love you and love just miraculously makes freddy disappear and then he like melts away and he's gone i mean it's totally weird the the whole ending is completely I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. And then, of course, you know, it takes place a couple weeks later, you know, and then Freddy just busts out of the chest of one of the girls. And then the Freddy's evil laugh is her in the background. It just the pacing of it sucks. Uh, the way things look don't flow very good. You don't really like any of the characters. I mean, Jesse is definitely not likable. He's just very dull and dense like Nancy was in the remake. Uh, the only good character in this film is uh, is Kim, you know, uh, Kim Myers, a.k.a. Lisa Weber. You know, she's cool. And, of course, I mean, Freddie's cool. But like I said, he's not in this movie. He's in it for like 14 minutes. So needless to say, you know, the movie is just not very, very good at all. Probably for the fact of it's boring, boring, boring. And it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It totally breaks the rules of the first one. Because number one, you don't know if it's Freddy. You don't know if it's Jesse. And you're like, okay, when does this take place in a dream? But you realize that this is all taking place in reality. And now Freddy can possess people and come out of their body. It's just dumb. So stay away from number two. Uh, That movie gets one star. Uh, One star for the simple fact of the, I really dig the beginning of the movie. The first like five minutes are awesome. And I like the pool party scene. That's cool. Because I wish the pool party scene was like in real life, but not real life, but like in a dream instead of real life. I like the way that that looks, but it doesn't make any sense for uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street series. So the movie gets one star based on just the beginning alone gives it that you know, that extra half star push. So let's end the tragedy of number two and let's get to the best of the best. And that's Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors.
right now I'm going to talk some major love on this film. This is the movie out of all the whole entire series that I've seen like 50 flipping times. I've seen this movie so much. I mean, I could probably quote it. Number one, the poster is amazing. The poster is awesome. It's like uh, you got the, the Nancy house is like on the bottom of the poster and then up in the sky you have Freddy's eyes and his hat and then you have like his knives and each of the dream warriors are all like standing on one of his knife but none of the dream warriors are actually in the stupid movie you know you have a girl with like this uh white uh white hair with knives that's kind of supposed to look like Taryn I guess but Taryn doesn't look anything like that uh on the the girl on the poster and there's one guy holding up like this thing with like spikes on it and that guy is not in the movie and then you have another guy just kind of with his uh, his hands on his hips and then you just have this dark haired girl that kind of looks like Nancy but doesn't look like Nancy and kind of looks like Patricia Arquette. I mean obviously these are all from the back view but it's like they made this poster before they actually cast the people. So anyways, I love the poster. It's flipping great. This is the point where, I mean, Freddy just blew up. We had the Dream Warrior song, which obviously you guys heard. Uh, it's This is kind of where the joking Freddy started, uh, but not till the second half of the film. Because the first half of the film, Freddy doesn't say nothing. He's still scary as all hell. Um, what's really cool is the movie is directed by Chuck Russell, but... Uh, screenplay and the story was written by Wes Craven, but for the movie, they changed a lot of things from the actual story originally concepted by Wes Craven. See, Wes Craven never wanted the film franchise to continue. He wanted it kind of just to be a, a one-off film. And then, uh, you know, he was kind of forced to come up with the ending that he got in Nightmare on Elm Street 1, which I've talked about on my original podcast post. And, uh, you know, he decided, okay, if I'm going to write a story, I'm going to write a story. And it's very different than what you get in the film. So just read up on that if you are interested to see kind of what his thoughts are. But we get Heather Langenkamp is back as Nancy, which is amazing. Patricia Arquette, amazing screamer. Oh, man, she's just amazing. She's like the second best scream queen there is compared to number one, of course, would be Jamie Lee Curtis. I know you're like, well, Jamie Lee Curtis's mom from Psycho, Janet Lee, should be top scream queen. But for me, it's Jamie Lee Curtis, Laurie Strode as a scream queen, and then followed by Patricia Arquette as number two because she screams way better than Heather Langenkamp could ever scream. So good times. I love me some Kristen. She was amazing. Disappointed that she. She wasn't in part four, but uh, you had some Lawrence Fishburne up in here. Um, you had Joey and Kincaid. Those guys were great. You had the Wizard Master. It was just an amazing film because this movie really helped me with my own dreams. You know, it was in this movie I learned how to, you know, it's only a dream, you know, come up with some sort of dream power, use that in your dream. Because, you know, being a kid, I would dream about Freddy Krueger, of course, you know, because I was freaked out from these movies. But thanks to this movie, it helped me realize that I can be a quote unquote dream warrior myself in my dreams. And I was able to beat him in my dream and I didn't dream about him anymore. It was pretty cool. Uh, but the merchandising really took off for this. You know, like I said, the joking really didn't start till the second half of the film, you know, the beginning of the film. Film when uh, Patricia Arquette is trying to carry the kid 
and which of course is a doll because you can clearly tell it's a doll but you see freddie in the background coming at her and she gets stuck in like that mud pile and she's trying to move and freddie's almost about ready to get her he takes a swing and she gets off and then of course in the bathroom when uh the sink turns into freddie and slits her slits her wrist you know all he did was just laugh and just look real evil and it wasn't until uh joey when he's the nurse and he turns from the nurse into freddie and just says what's the matter joey tongue tied and that's really where the joke started to happen so the first half of this film you get uh you get to see freddie but you don't get to hear him and he just looks great uh the story is very very well done the story is really tight i mean for those of you who really don't remember what this film is about, which is fine, essentially um, the main star is Patricia Arquette. She, her name is Kristen. She has the dream power of pulling people into her dreams. And she dreamed about Freddy, but as I was telling you in the beginning, when she got her, um, when her wrist got slit, her mom walked in and saw that she had a razor in her hand. But obviously, uh, being in her dream, Freddy kind of made her grab that, and then she cut herself, and then she gets put into the psychiatric hospital where all these kids are essentially dying one one at a time. They all dreamed about Freddy before. Nobody believes them, and then of course Nancy comes to the rescue. Um, she's kind of like the counselor and she works with Kristen to help tap into what's called the dream power. You know, the dream warriors as each kid is kind of dying off. Essentially, they learn what their powers are. One has strength. One has uh, martial arts. Uh, one of them is just uh, super pretty and also a very badass and then the other guy who's in a wheelchair becomes the wizard master and uh and then you get towards the end of the film and they all take on freddy one by one and eventually uh they pretty much all lose but uh the the story itself though is very tight the special effects look really really good the budget's 4.5 million bucks it only looks bad when you get to the end. When you get to the skeleton Freddy, it looks like some old school Evil Dead Army of Darkness kind of special effects. Looks really, really bad. But otherwise, the snake Freddy looks awesome. The puppet Freddy looks great. Uh, Freddy looks really good um, when the guy has uh, goes through the walls. You know, when Freddy has him like as a puppet, uh, he looks, you know, Will. Will is basically like, a, you know, like a puppet. Uh, he looks really, really good, and overall, the music, you know, kind of taken from part one, then you had some heavy metal soundtrack up in there, so it was just a very, very fun, fun, fun movie. So overall, with my score for Nightmare on Elm Street 3, man, this one is easily a four and a half, easily. I mean, even with the fact that it comes out, that it came out in 1987, Still holds up to this day. I mean, granted, even when Freddy cuts off the mom's head, I mean, you can kind of see the blue screen in the background. But, I mean, it's solid, man. You really don't give a crap when you get to that point in the film because you love the characters. I mean, this is a slasher film, and you usually don't give a rip about each and every single one of the characters. This is one of the few movies that you do. I mean, like in Halloween, you care about all the characters. But in this one, you care about every you care about Taryn, you care about, uh, you know, even Dr. Gordon, you know, you care about Philip, Will and, uh, you know, Kincaid, all these guys, they're great. Patricia Arquette, you love them all. And very rarely in a slasher film does that happen. So immediately, that's why this film, 
I think is such a big, huge fan favorite because of the characters and how much you really care for them, which is another thing what probably pissed people off in number four when you start killing off uh, the remaining people of part three and they don't put up much of a fight, which we'll get into in just a minute here. But overall, four and a half stars for Nightmare 3. It's the best of the series. If you have never, ever seen a Nightmare on Elm Street film, which... Of course you have because you're listening to this. But let's just say you're one of those random people, never have, and you just started checking out this podcast. Go to number three. Screw the rest. Don't watch any of the other ones. Just watch number three because that's the Freddy in a nutshell. He's very, very scary, and then he'll occasionally make jokes. This is the perfect balance of Freddy that you will ever see again. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. So this is the best of the series. Forget everything else. You can you can hit stop now if you want. I mean, that's just this is the cream of the crop right here. This is great. So uh, that's it. Nightmare on Elm Street three four and a half stars. So let's move on to number four. Now number four, uh, the name of that film is called The Dream Master, and essentially this is the MTV film. All right. So you're probably like, why did I just call it an MTV film? Well, number one, this movie is very very slick. I mean, it's like a big music video. It's uh, fast paced. Uh, a lot of different screens, you know, go from one shot to the other. The director of this is Rennie Harlan, who's best known for Die Hard 2, Deep Blue Sea, Long Kiss Goodnight, Cliffhanger. I mean, this guy has done a bunch of uh, a bunch of action stuff. But, you know, Nightmare 4, he essentially, this is where Freddy, you know, this is where the merchandising took place where posters, cereal, t-shirts, whatever. I mean, this is it, man. This is where Freddy became, at this point, this was the highest uh, movie in the franchise. You know, you had a budget of $13 million in the budget in the box office budget, or not box office budget, but the box office returns was about $49 million. And like I said, at the time, this was the, uh, this was the number one grossing movie in the Nightmare series until Freddy vs. Jason came out. Now, of course, you can thank the success of three of why everybody wanted to see number four, you know, because number three really, um, I think was the first wide release of the Nightmare movie, you know, because number one and two, New Line was, a very not very big studio and number three was really the first movie that they could do a wide thing so by the time number four came out everybody knew who freddie was and uh this movie essentially with the dream master they kill off the uh the people the survivors of number three uh they killed off kincaid they killed off joey and they got a new girl Kristen. now here's the thing with tuesday night she has an amazing song that starts the movie off. I think it's called Nightmare or something like that. It's really good. Really hard to find. Uh, very, very well done. She's a very good singer. Horrible actress. Could not stand her as Kristen. There's only one scene where she does good. And that's when she gets drugged and she tells her mom off. That's the only scene I liked her in. She was piss poor acting. As yeah, it was, as yeah it's that bad would say. She was absolutely atrocious. Horrible. I don't know why they thought she would be a good replacement for Patricia Arquette. Now, Patricia Arquette could not be in the film because she was pregnant. But Tuesday Night Man, she was just horrible. I mean, totally wooden, stiff, um, just very, very bad. But she's a great singer, though, man. I love the song she did. Good times. But luckily for me, she's not in the film very, very long. Now, they have Freddy come back through a dog pissing fire, 
which is kind of funny. They really don't get into it. It's just, hey, Freddy's back. Here you go. The dog head. The dog goes into the dream with Kincaid. The dog is mean, pisses out fire. Freddy comes back. There you go. It's not really a good explanation. You're just supposed to accept the fact that Freddy's back. You know, because it takes place the same place he was taken out in part three. But it's just, how did he come back? Well, there you go. It just that's how it is. So we deal with the Dream Master, which uh, our main person is Lisa Wilcox. Lisa Wilcox's character's name is Alice, and uh, she's very meek, uh, very shy girl who eventually, by the end of this, becomes a complete and utter badass. She's awesome. I really, really enjoy Lisa Wilcox, and she does an amazing transformation in this film, where you really believe that she's this meek and very shy girl and that could totally pull off getting everybody's powers and being able to whoop freddy because what the dream master is is that because she daydreams she essentially pulls her friends into her dreams because Kristen had pulled her in her dream before Kristen had died and her soul went to freddy and her power went through freddy and went into Alice. And that's kind of what that scene is. There's some kind of confusion of like, well, what was that? Why did Freddy arch his back when, uh, you know, when Kristen died? That's because her power was going through Freddy and to Alice. Because though, because those were the last three of the Elm Street children, Freddy had nobody left. And he wanted Kristen to pull in Alice so then he could start working on Alice and continue his killing. You know, he didn't want to be done. He wanted to continue continue working, you know. And uh, so essentially Alice gets everybody that dies in the film. She gets all their powers, which or like their characteristics, like her brother is an awesome martial artist, which her brother is awesome. I love her brother. And uh, his name is Rick. He's very cool. He's a cross between uh, Christian Slater and Johnny Depp. I mean, he's just, he's hilarious. He's got some cool, crazy spike hair, uh, good times. I really dig the characters. Not as much as number three, though. Uh, I, I like the brother. I like Alice. Um, I don't like, you know, Kristen. Of course, I like Kincaid. I like Joey. And then the rest of the cast, either they're not in the story long enough for you to give a care, or they are in it, but they're just annoying. Kind of like Dan. You know, Dan is the person that uh, Alice really likes. He's all right. He's not the greatest. He's kind of stiff as well. You know, they always have to put his jacket in front of you to let you know, hey, he's a jock. They had this really cool um, looping scene where um, as Freddy's trying to kill one of their friends, uh, him and uh, Alice and him are constantly, we need to get going. You know, that's kind of a fun scene. Overall, um, I like the way the, the film is shot. Like I said, it looks like an MTV music video. It's a very slick movie. This movie's fun. It's not very good, but it's fun. I mean, this is definitely one of those, if you just want to pop in and just watch a fun horror movie, this is the one that you want to pick because it's got bad acting, it looks cool, uh, a lot of great one-liners from Freddy. This is the point where he's a jokester and he's no longer scary. He's all about smiling and all about laughing and just having a good time. And, uh, you know, this is the fun Nightmare on Elm Street film. And that's about it. So this one, this one gets a solid uh, three, very strong three stars. It's not amazing, 
and it's not trash. It's just right in between. So that's my review for Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Now, let's get to the second worst film in the whole entire series, and that's Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Now, this movie sucks, uh, Put it, to put it bluntly. I mean, this movie is almost... Man... If I could, I'd probably take this and put this where number two is. But this movie has some redeeming quality, but not very, very much. Uh, This movie went totally off the rails. Uh, This is in 1989. This sucker came out. And Freddy doesn't kill anybody in this movie. I think he kills like two people, two or three people, if that. The budget's like $8 million. Box office was like only $22 million, So everybody knew that this movie sucked. Essentially, Freddy works through Alice's baby because the movie starts off. And Alice and uh, What's-His-Face are getting it on. And, uh, you know, Dan eventually will get killed in this film. You won't really care. The The best scene is where Alice and her dad are in the, you know, the dad was a drunk in number four. So he's sobered up and he's a much better character in this movie. And I like that fact. He gets some good character development. But, uh, you know, you have the scene where Dan's parents come over and just basically say they want they want the baby, you know, or... And, and she's just like, no, you can't have my baby. And they're like, well, you know, you're kind of psychotic. You know, they're just kind of giving her crap. And the dad just sticks up for her. And, you know, this is, you know, this is my grandson. It's nice to have a boy in the house. And he just sticks up for Alice, which he didn't do in number four. He just always gave her crap. But uh, the dad, you know, the dad and Alice, they got along very well in this film. That's the best scene of the whole entire film, believe it or not, is the scene of the confrontation between Dan's parents, her and her dad. That was some good times. Alice she's you know she's okay in this film she's nowhere near as awesome as she was in number four she's just got to be the mom figure you know so she plays a different kind of role she doesn't suck and she's not amazing like she was in part four she's definitely decent in this film uh this movie i mean had to be cut down dramatically uh especially with the whole greta scene where there where freddie's feeding her and i mean number one if you're choking you're not going to be flapping your arms out like a bird. You're going to be holding your neck like you're choking. And that's one thing that she does in this film, which is completely stupid. Freddy's makeup looks atrocious in this film. He looks stupid. He looks like he's 80 years old in this film. Uh, he's got these really long, stupid-looking arms when he comes back saying, It's a boy. I mean, if Freddy is corny in this film. He's not scary. He's corny. He's just He looks dumb. He sounds dumb. He's not funny. He's not amusing. This is a piss poor performance from Robert England as Freddy Krueger. This movie's atrocious. I dare say it's worse than number two. I mean, at least number two was trying to have a vision, but this movie went off its rocker, man. I mean, trying to come back through, you know, like you think that Freddy's going to try to come through the baby and he wants to live through the baby, but no, you know, they show his birthing where he comes out of his mom and he's got this funky head, which they clearly showed that he was a regular kid later on, uh, you know, like earlier in the series that he wasn't disformed, but he supposedly comes out this form. It's real confusing. It's just, I, I, this was a train wreck for me to try to watch. I didn't enjoy it whatsoever. Um, you know, the, the coloring was bad. 
Um, the the camera shots are bad. You don't care about anybody. I mean, the, I guess I could say the best scene or the best kill by far is uh, is the comic book scene. That's flipping cool, Mark. You know, Freddy goes up against this guy named Mark. He's in the comic books, and the and the the color gets black and white. Really, really cool until you get the Super Freddy, and then it's obviously some other guy dressed up like Freddy. But that's the best scene of the whole. Well, that's the second best scene of the whole film. I told you the first scene that was the best. But uh, you know, Super Freddy is totally lame, and uh, yeah, it's just this is not a very, very good movie. I I highly suggest that you skip two and you skip five. It's okay if you want to watch Freddy's, you know, Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. It's got some, it's got some interesting things in that. That movie is way better than number five. But uh, this movie just isn't fun. It's not scary. It's not fun. It tried to deal with social issues. Like, you know, uh, bulimia and stuff like that. And I think that if they they should have went full force with it. It's like they tried to do the fence. It's like, okay, well, let's talk about bulimia for a little bit. But let's not go far enough into it to where we'll offend anybody. Or like Dan, supposedly, you know, they want to pretend that he dies from being, you know, drunk driving. But, you know, Dan, of course, never touched drinking in his life. It's just you can tell the kind of issues they wanted to talk about but never fully went there and you know then there's also like dan transforming into a speed demon that special effect some of it was good and then the other part of it was like you could tell it was plastic here and there it's kind of like they really didn't care in this movie when they made it and it was rushed i mean this movie came out very very fast so it's just the movie is off its rocker. I mean, at least number two had a little bit of focus, but it was just boring. This movie is boring because of the fact that it has no focus. It's just kind of all over the place in regards to its characters and how does Freddy, you know, Freddy's got to go back into the womb. You know, it's like they got to find the mom and then they release her so that way she can put Freddy back in her womb. And I, I don't know, man. It's just. I guess I'm one of those that just don't get this movie and I don't enjoy it. So this one gets a full one star as well. Um, Actually, half star. Yeah. I'm going to go, even though I think two is the worst, this one gets a, a worse score than two because of the fact of at least the number two, I like the beginning and it had Freddy in it. My favorite scene in this film doesn't have Freddy in it. It it deals with uh, Lisa and her dad against Dan's parents. That's my favorite scene in the film, and it has nothing to do with Freddy. So that just tells you the lack of why this movie sucks so bad. And I'd like to say that Mark's scene is my favorite, but then it gets you know it gets destroyed by the Super Freddy, who looks stupid, doesn't even look like Freddy, and they have another guy play Freddy. So this movie's horrible. This gets a half a star. So let's move on to at least something better, and that's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. All right, so now we get to uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, which this was in 3D. It was probably the only reason I wanted to see it was because it was in 3D. I was like, wow, it's the final Freddy. Very cool. So I was pretty excited to see this. Overall, this movie is a kid's movie. 
Why do I say that? Because of the simple jokes that are done in this film. You know, no flipping adult is going to know what I'm playing with power is. No kid's going to know what Nintendo or what adult's going to know what Nintendo is, so on and so forth. I mean, you know what I mean. It's not, I, I obviously adults are going to know what it is. But this was just really aimed at kids, which is a sad thing that a, a child killer and it's marketed to kids. But I mean, at this point in the game, they kind of knew what they were dealing with. You know what I mean? But essentially, this film is uh, the first film and the only film to be directed by a female, Rachel Talele, which she's been on since the beginning. She was always kind of like uh, uh, always working behind the scenes of uh, of the Nightmare movies. So she really its kind of her love letter to the series. This movie's a lot better than number five. Uh, again, it was in 3D and uh, had some pretty cool characters in this movie. We had some... Uh, uh, Beck and Meyer, uh, we had, which would be recently in Garfield. We had uh, Lisa Zane. Uh, Johnny Depp actually makes uh, an appearance in here. We had some Roseanne Barr, Tom Arnold, Alice Cooper, Iggy Pop, so on and so forth. Uh, essentially, this movie uh, really is just about Freddy's kid. You kind of get the whole history of Freddy and kind of get an inside scoop on what happened and how he became the way he is, which are like these three demon looking sperm looking things that essentially gave him his power and uh make him where he can't die really so it's kind of a, it's a decent fun movie it's not great uh it's not horrible it's decent you know it's it has its moments where it's fun i mean i like the video game scene that was pretty cool again i'm playing with power freddy's just really a big jokester in this film and again He's very lazy in this film. I mean, in, in reality, he has a few fights, not too much. But, you know, there's one funny scene with Carlos because Carlos can't hear where he tell he breaks the fourth wall and tells the audience to be quiet. And he's like on his tiptoes. So it's real funny stuff. But you knew it's bad in the beginning when you first see Freddy and he's looking like the Wizard of Oz. And, you know, I'll get your little soul, too, and stuff. I mean, it's just... Uh, it's just, he's at this point, he's reached the full potential of being a comedian. And unfortunately, uh, I guess that's what people wanted to see. I'm glad that this was supposed to be the ending of the series. I like the fact that he had a daughter. They try to play it off that it's, he has a son, but really it's so the, the guy that thought he was the son could really lead to his daughter. And uh, it ends with 3D segment where he puts on where she puts on the glasses. You get to see everything take place in 3D. They pull Freddy out and they kick the crap out of him. But yet, when they pull him into reality, they kind of break their own rules because Freddy still has powers. He's able to like crawl on the ceiling and stuff. It's like if you're human, you should be able to do human things. So they kind of break their own rules towards the ending of the film. Like I said. Uh, it's very inconsistent. They break their own rules a lot in this series, which is unfortunate. Um, overall, I give this one uh, probably a two and a half. Um, it's two and a half, three star. It's it's not better than, than Nightmare 4. And Nightmare 4, you know, I said was like three stars. So I'd have to go with a two, two and a half on this one. It's decent, but if I never watch it again, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. Uh, the cameos were all right, but it uh, it tries to it, it tries to make an attempt to tell Freddy's story. I think it did a good job there. It did a good job explaining the things that 
make Freddy who he is, but they burst out at the end of the movie and they just take off. So those things don't actually die. So obviously it can go into another person and somebody else can become Freddy. But the best part of the movie, though, which is a sad thing, is when you get to the credits. You never want your best part of your movie to be the credits. But what I mean by that is I really enjoy the credit sequence where you get to see the last of all of the movies that have taken place. And there's a song that's called Freddy's Dead. It's a really nice credit sequence where you really think the movie is over. So overall, I think it was a good ending to uh, the series. Uh, Of course, it didn't turn out to be that way. It doesn't hold a candle to H2O, though, of course, because, I mean, that movie is just phenomenal, which we all are, all of us hardcore Halloween fans don't even say Halloween Resurrection exists. That, uh, you know, the movie ended with, spoiler alert, Jamie Lee Curtis cutting off Michael Myers' head and the series was over. So um, you kind of thought that this was going to be the end of the series, but... It wasn't. We got something even better, which is uh, my second favorite of the series, which is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. For me, it's ha- uh, it's not Halloween. I have Halloween on the brain. Sorry. It's Nightmare on Elm Street 3 is my favorite, followed by Wes Craven's New Nightmare and then uh, the regular Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, this movie, I think, is something that became a cult, a cult following hit. Uh, unfortunately, this movie did not perform very well in the theater. I think a lot of people had a lot of issues with this film, but uh, I really, really enjoy this film. And I've heard some reviews on this movie just tearing it apart, saying that this is like the worst train wreck of a film you could possibly think of. The budget was $8 million, and the box office was only $18 bucks, So it only had a profit of like $10 bucks. Here's essentially the deal that happens in this movie. This came out in 1994, and it was written and directed by Wes Craven. And he wanted to put a new spin on it where his original thought process for Nightmare 3, where Freddy attacks the real world, he was going to use for this one. And he brought back Heather Langenkamp. um, But what's really cool is everybody plays themselves. So it's kind of like a precursor to Scream, if you will, which a lot of critics actually said that as well where Heather plays Heather and uh, she's being she has a stalker and there's a Freddy Krueger that's actually going after the real cast of Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, the real Freddy is essentially a demon, if you will, because when a story is told, a demon kind of attaches itself to a story and because the story ended with Freddy's dead the final nightmare, It wanted to attach itself to Freddy because it liked Freddy and it wanted to attack, uh, it wanted to attack the makers of the, you know, of the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And uh, I can get why people don't really like this movie because you're expecting Freddy Krueger, which he really doesn't show up for like an hour and 20 minutes into the film. I mean, you get to see him as, you know, Robert England being Freddy Krueger and, and talking to the fans. But it's really, uh, it's a real slow build. I think people had a problem with that. I don't mind it. I like it. It's really, you know, it's kind of reality really hit for Heather Langenkamp because her real husband works as a special effects guy uh, who I think actually worked for Wes Craven. So it was, she trusted Wes Craven enough to really let her life be used in this film. But, uh, you know, her son, which is Miko Hughes, which is the ever so lovely kid from um, Kindergarten Cop, you know, boys have a mm, girls have a mm, you know, you know that part I'm talking about. Right. 
And uh, he was creepy, man. He's good stuff. He's the kid from Pet Cemetery that gets killed and comes back. He was great in this film. He's the one that essentially watches The Nightmare on Elm Street, the very first movie. And it's kind of getting attacked by Freddy. He's got this really cool dinosaur named Rex that get uh, is kind of his protector you know because kids kids are sensitive you know you can see the the you know the the monster in the closet the monster on your bed and freddie was really under his bed trying to attack him and stuff and uh when we get to see the real freddie you know the freddie the demon freddie if you will he looks slipping sweet man he's got like this uh He's got this real scary looking coat and his he's got five claws now instead of four. And uh, he redoes the scene with Tina. I mean, you, you first seen where he comes out of the closet, scared the piss out of me. I like peed in my pants in the theater almost. And uh, he says, miss me and goes after Heather. But when he really comes out, uh, he's attacking um, he's attacking the babysitter and does the whole Tina thing up in the sky. But, you know, little tiny uh, Miko Hughes, which his character's name in the film uh, is Dylan. Uh, he's getting to watch the whole entire thing of Freddy killing his babysitter and tearing her apart and stuff. Real crazy. But you have the dad back, John Saxon, who plays himself. And then uh, Nancy has to accept the fact that if she becomes Nancy again, she can go into a.k.a. Freddy's world and she can stop him because that's what Freddy does. He essentially takes Dylan and puts him into his world. And the only way that Heather Langenkamp can get him back is to become Nancy and be in the movie again. So, again, I see why people hate this film, but I really like it. I think it's really smart. I think it's really it's well paced. Uh, I admit that it is slow, but I like it, though. It's like a really slow build. I really dig it. So if you hate this film, I understand I won't give you any crap for it. But if you really enjoy this film, I want to give you a high five. I know my boy Jason, that he really digs Wes Craven's new nightmare. And uh, and I'm happy because he's one of the only guys that I know of that really likes this movie as much as I do. For me, it's my second favorite in the series. It's just so flipping good. Because again, I love Nancy. But it's just, I love the whole movie in a movie concept it's so flipping cool but of course you know scream scream went ahead and did it and just made it you know uh, made it fast paced for everybody this movie was slow paced so it's kind of like this really helped make scream as awesome as it was because Wes Craven kind of learned from his mistakes if you will and uh, I really really love this movie so overall um, I would definitely give New Nightmare four stars, four very strong stars. Uh, it's not as uh, great, obviously, as Dream Warriors. And uh, I just, I really enjoy it. I think the majority of people give it like one or two stars. Uh, just think that this movie went completely off its rails. But for me, I give it four very strong stars. I really, really enjoy this movie. So uh, let's get to uh, the next one, which I thought that this would be the last one in the series. And that's Freddy versus Jason. Now, here's the thing with Freddy versus Jason. Um, there's some of my friends who absolutely hate this movie, say it's like bad writing and it's just a horrible film and they treated Jason like crap and all this and that. And then I have the other side of my friends who just absolutely love this movie, think it's great, think that it's super funny and scary. And you're probably wondering what side am I on? Well, here's the thing. Whenever I, when I tell you what it is, I don't want you to be upset with me, but I just want you to kind of hear me out. You don't have to agree with me, but at least hear me out. 
I flippin' love this movie, okay? I really, really do. And here's a couple of reasons why I really, really enjoy Freddy vs. Jason. I think that uh, Freddy is scary again. I mean, he totally goes back to the way that he was back in the old, you know, Elm Street 3 days. I mean, essentially, you know, in the very beginning, they have the whole kind of introduction to Freddy. You know, let's just say you're a Freddy fan and you want to watch this movie, but you've never seen any Jason movies. They totally give you the origin story for Jason. If you're a Jason fan and you've never been, a, you know, never seen a Freddy movie, you get the origin story of Freddy. So they do that in like the first five minutes and he kind of has like demon, he has like a demon look and like demon teeth. So he kind of looks almost like he did in New Nightmare. But his whole goal is, is that everybody has forgotten about him. The, the way of beating Freddy was to not only not give in to fear, but if they forgot about him, he would no longer have any power. So what his goal was is to find somebody uh, in the deepest part of hell that could essentially he could bring back and scare people on Elm Street to make it think that it's him to get his fear back so he could be strong and, you know, he'd be all back in business. And that's why he pulls Jason. And uh, Freddy, man, he's scary for like the the first half of the film. He's just like he's he's doing the old school, you know, jump scares and not strong enough. And, you know, his comments are very well like in the Nightmare on Elm Street 3 kind of days. Jason, you know, Kane Hodder, a lot of people had issues with the fact that Kane Hodder wasn't going to be in the film. But for me, I totally dug the reason why they changed him. The thought process was that, uh, you know, Freddy, uh, they wanted Jason to be bigger than Freddy. And unfortunately, Kane Hodder wasn't that much taller than Robert England, So they went ahead and they got a bigger guy, which I didn't have any problems with the guy who played Jason. And this is definitely an Elm Street movie. And it's like Jason is the guest star because it all revolves around Elm Street. It all revolves around Freddy. And Jason is essentially like the guest star. But this is the first time that Freddy actually had competition, somebody that could actually stand up to him, somebody that couldn't die just like him. So I think that's one reason why I really dig this because in all reality, he hasn't really had a match to go up against. And this is really uh, the perfect one. So, uh, you know, as far as the characters go in the film, I really dig uh, Monica Kina. You know, I knew her from Dawson's Creek. She essentially plays Lori, which is kind of like a nod to Halloween by giving her Lori name. Kelly Rowland, I was never really a huge fan of, but I thought she definitely did the part well enough. And uh, we had some kind of knockoffs of Jay and Silent Bob. And uh, most of the characters were pretty decent. I didn't really have a whole lot of issues with them. And uh, I like the story of the whole Hypnosil because Hypnosil comes into play from uh, Nightmare 3. And it comes back into play in this movie, which was pretty cool. And uh, funny how in Part 3 it's not approved by the FDAA or whatever it is. And it's still not approved in this film. And the budget was $30 million, and this sucker made $114 million. So, I mean, this is definitely the biggest blockbuster of them all uh when you get to the second half of the film when you know that's when uh the the jokes start to happen but uh that's really only when the fight between freddie and jason go into play because i mean he gets real nasty with Lori, uh you know real sexual and just real evil with his you know voice and stuff so uh as far as the the overall story i like it it makes perfect sense um, you know, I don't really have any issues with it. I think it's a fun movie and I definitely get scared on the parts I should get scared on. I laugh at the parts I should laugh at. I thought the fight was great. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I thought it was done very, very well. It was definitely action packed. It was funny. Uh, it also was kind of, 
you know, it definitely got intense towards the end. And, uh, you know, what a way to end the film. You know, it's like Jason really did win. But I like to think of it as a draw because, you know, Jason has a body, Freddy doesn't, but his head still winks at the audience, making you think that there's going to be a part two. So overall, I, I definitely give it a three stars just because it's uh, it's fun. Um, I don't have any real issues with it. I don't think it's the best of the whole entire series. You know, I, I think it's definitely an Elm Street film. I mean, it kind of flip-flops between like my third favorite of the series. You know, when I watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely my third favorite. And then when I watched Freddy vs. Jason, I'm like, yeah, this is my third favorite. But the number two spot uh, is usually always sticks at New Nightmare. I very, you know, I think I've only changed it like once or twice when I'd watched the original movie like a few times and be like, well, maybe it's better than New Nightmare. And then I'd go back and watch New Nightmare. I'm like, no, it totally kills the first movie. But Freddy vs. Jason is just fun. Uh, I definitely think it lived up to the hype and I really enjoyed it and there's a lot of people that hate this film and you know I'm sorry that you hate it and I'm sorry that I like it it's just this is it's just fun it's just a good it's just a good fun movie for me so uh, this is definitely the end of the series it would have been awesome unfortunately this is the last time we get to see Robert England play Freddy Krueger and uh, then we get the remake so overall I give Freddy vs. Jason uh, three stars maybe a week three and a half uh, but a solid three stars. It's just really good, fun entertainment. I really enjoy the movie. And uh, and, and let's move on to uh, the remake, which is ugh, horrible. You know, I touched upon this on my original review, uh, but I'll kind of go into it again. I didn't like the film at all. Um, what I liked about it, I d- there were things that I did really like. Or I liked the idea of it, but I didn't like the execution, if you will. Like, for example, I'm a huge fan of Katie Cassidy. I think she's great. I think if she would have been Nancy, I think it would have been awesome. Now, here's the thing. I've heard great things from Runa Mara, uh, who would do The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Everybody's told me how great she is in that movie because I totally hated her in this film. I thought she was the worst possible Nancy in the world you could possibly get. I thought she was stiff, wooden, no character, no emotion. I think I think Kristen Stewart could have done a better job than Runa Mara. But I hear her great things about the girl in the dragon tattoo, which I haven't seen yet. So I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and just say she was doing what she was told by the director. So here's the thing. Um, I... You know, you ha- rebooting the film is fine. I was really excited for this because I thought that with the CGI now, you could really take the dreams in a whole new direction. I loved the beginning of the film. I thought the beginning was priceless. I thought it was very intense, real crazy. I mean, immediately I was I was totally sucked in. I was like, wow, unbelievable. Uh, I like the thing that Jackie Earl Haley did with, you know, clicking the knives together. I thought that was a, definitely an interesting take on it. But I thought the more that he talked, the less scary he became. I thought he was much better as just being very quiet, kind of like the old school Freddy. But when we get towards the the end of the film, the more he talked, I was like, I just roll my eyes. I'm just like, ugh, I don't like it. I don't really like the way he looked at all, his face. I know they tried to make it more realistic, uh, burns and stuff. I thought it looked better from far away. But the up-close shots, I just didn't like. I thought it kind of was like a real bad, like his mouth couldn't move. It was like his mouth was like stuck together, if you will. 
But uh, the things I really, really enjoy, I love the death scene of Katie Cassidy. Really great. You know, any any scene she was in, I, I really wish she would have been Nancy. I think it would have been so much better. But, you know, she essentially was like the new Tina character. Uh, her death scene was amazing. I thought Thomas Decker was really good. He played Jesse, who would eventually go on to do the Terminator Sarah Chronicles uh, or Sarah Connor Chronicles, and then would be in Secret Circle. You know, he was fine. No issue for me there. Um, the story, you know, they definitely played off the fact of did they kill Freddy? You know, you know, was it wrong? You know, did they accuse him for the wrong thing? They definitely play off of that. You know, in the original, they never said he was a child molester because they couldn't get away with that back in the day. But they full out went, they full out went there with this film. But for like the for like twenty minutes, they tried to make you think that Freddie was innocent, and I thought that was an interesting twist. I'm not sure if I like it, but I thought it was an interesting twist. Um, the things that I didn't like, though, I thought, for example, when uh, he comes out of the wall, it looked really good in the trailers, and then when I saw it for real, I thought the CGI was bad. Um, I just, I really didn't like. I just thought it was an average film. It had potential. But it didn't live up to like the Friday the 13th remake, which I absolutely I think is the best remake of them all. Uh, Halloween one is atrocious and horrible, but I think the Friday the 13th remake is the best of all the remakes we've gotten, followed by Fright Night after that. But uh, this movie easily is like a two and a half, three stars. It's like I like parts of it, but I don't like it as a whole, if you will. And uh, I'm not disappointed that I'm not getting a sequel. You know, it's just the things that it tried to do from the original, it did okay. Uh, but the things that they did that were new, you know, like, for example, the, the drugstore scene where he's going in and out, I thought was really cool. I like, I really like that. I really like all the uh, uh, the repressed memory stuff coming back. I thought it was really good. Uh, them trying to stay awake and the whole adrenaline thing was definitely cool. I, I like that. Uh, but then the whole ending, I just, I hate the ending, the whole him talking and, uh, it just didn't work for me. He just wasn't scary at that point. He just talked way too much. Uh, and the things he would say just wasn't scary anymore. And, uh, I just kind of wanted the movie to be over. So overall for the Nightmare on Elm Street series, I would definitely say that by far the best of the whole entire series that you have to see is number three and number one. No doubt about it. New Nightmare, since it's such on the fence for people, I highly recommend that after you see the first movie, see part three and be done with the series. Just call it a day. If you want to see something fun, go watch number four. But uh, I would say this is, uh, you know, this is my second favorite horror series, but it's it's very inconsistent though. And there's various ones that when I watch, I only ever watch one, three, four. Uh, seven and Freddy versus Jason. Those are the ones that I go to. The other ones I either try to stay far away from, or like you know, Freddy's Dead. If it's on, I'd watch it. But if it's two or five, it's like hell no, stay away from me. So that is uh, that's my review, guys, for the Nightmare on Elm Street series. And uh, let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All 
Power Writer. First email comes from Cheerful Charlie, and he's like, Hi, guys and gals. Just dropping a line about Elm Street. My favorite happens to be Elm Street 3. Good choice, sir. I thought it was better written of the series. Haven't seen any recent other than Freddy vs. Jason. Great flick there. So thank you, sir, so much for writing in. Uh, good times. And uh, the next one comes from Sebastian the Internationalist. And he's like, hello, sweep the leg. Uh, this is my revi- my revised review for The Nightmare on Elm Street. Before I started listening to podcasts, I went, rented, and watched the original films of each major horror franchise after I started listening to flicks and film spotting. I revisited the classic films and their many sequels. I spaced the films, uh, I, I, I guess I spaced the films one a week. And by the end of the marathon, I can't remember what happened in what horror film. Uh, some of the films introduced some interesting new flaccid to hero or the slasher hero to the series. The best dream warriors, but the lessons learned are glossed over or ignored. And future sequels and prequels, the good, original nightmare, the worst, every uh, like everything else to various degrees. Well, sir, I definitely would agree with you that the first, and uh, you definitely got to put number three in there, sir. Uh, those are the, those two are amazing. But uh, I hear what you're saying, sir. So thanks so much for writing, in, Sebastian. Always a good time. And uh, he wrote, a, he actually wrote in again on some various reviews. But uh, I'll get into those on the next episode. And uh, the next one comes from Anthony, the epic emailer. And uh, he originally did the format where I did like the worst. I was going to do the worst of the series followed by the second best of the series. And then finally, the last episode was going to be the best of the series. But I decided to combine them all. So here's the first email. It's like, hello there again, Mistunas. I want to start off in saying that you did a terrific job on your episode of Airheads. Thank you, sir, so much. Uh, you can clearly tell that you were a fan of that movie and that you didn't allow it to cloud your opinion of it. So thank you so much, sir. Uh, time now to get to Nightmare on Elm Street series. I'm glad you decided to do something like this for October slash Halloween. Still waiting for the check-in help to come up from now. Uh, how you're going to do the review of the series. I'll leave it up to you whether I'm joking or not. Uh, you know, he he definitely helped give me the, uh, you know, we kind of talked about ideas and stuff. So it's true. Thank you, Anthony, for the uh, help on the uh on the Nightmare on Elm Street suggestion. Uh, since you're doing three movies in each episode, I'm going to give brief thoughts about each. They are Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake. I will admit it's not my favorite of the overall series, and uh, it was weaker of the horror movie remake, Rob Zombie's Halloween being an all-time winner in that area. But I don't think it was too bad. Freddy was more like a darker version than he was seen in the first movie, and Jackie O'Haley did a good job in portraying the character. The next one, he says, it's Freddy's Revenge. To me, it's the least favorite in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. It had moments here and there, but it felt that it didn't do too much in following up the first movie. Not even going to touch on the possible gay undertone because I feel like it didn't need to be mentioned. I uh, did like that they had the whole, that they had the hero of the movie be a female, which was still uncommon at the time. And finally, Dream Child. I did feel like the series was somewhat dropping in quality by the time this movie happened. I felt that it's being done so soon soon after the fourth movie and having a release date before script was finalized had was part had a part in that and wouldn't also forget that the rating board also heard in the continuous editing took away from some of the deaths perhaps my favorite scene death was one involving character mark which again sir everything you say i'm agreeing with you keep in mind that there isn't a movie from this series i hate to the point that i'm unable to watch they have things that uh, have me go okay that wasn't too bad and has me willing to see it again when i do the occasional rewatch the series 
we'll be eager to see how you start the series review until I email again. See ya. Which, you know, sir, me and you definitely feel the same, but in reverse. I'm the same way with the Halloween series. I can find all the goods in 4, 5, and 6 uh, versus, you know, in the Nightmare series, I'm kind of, you know, I don't have as much compassion in that area like I do in the Halloween series. So I definitely see, uh, you know, where where you're coming from. So uh, he writes in again about the rest of the series. He's like, hello there again. I just read the post on the STL Facebook group that you said you have rearranged things in that uh, what's going to be done for October. Uh, while I would have liked it if you did the Nightmare on Elm Street series in three sets of episodes, I can understand the reason behind it as sometimes real life stuff will come across and cause things to change. Since it's going to be only a single episode, I'm holding on hope that it, uh, it'll be long enough to give each movie the time to be touched upon. Already sent an email for the first three Nightmare on Elm Street movies and you're going to touch on. So I'm going to go ahead and give my thoughts about the rest of the series. The thoughts are as followed, which I just want to point out that, uh, you know, if you feel that I didn't spend long enough time on a particular movie, uh, feel free to have me, you know, to write in about it and just say, uh, I'd like you to give some more thought on this particular movie. You only spent so much time on it. And I can definitely do that. You know, like I said, I with so many films, I didn't want to make this to be four hours. I wanted to try to make it reasonable. So just go ahead and let me know. If you need more input on that. So he goes, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, it's the one that started all. A great movie and was uh, different than the usual slasher film. Also helped that they had the killer Freddy speak. Uh, but unlike in later movies, it was a more sinister type of way. Still considered the deaths of Tina and Glenn are some of the most m- memorable deaths in not only the series, but in horror movies in general, which I agree with. Um, Freddy's uh, Dream Warriors Uh, while Freddy's Revenge was the official sequel to the first movie I consider this to be the true sequel as it fits better to the original and we also have Nancy's character return I agree 100% sir had no real issues with the new characters as they fit for what they were meant to do and how most of them and how most of them die was good. Also was this movie that showed Freddy with more of a personality uh, but was well but was well balanced to what was to come. Uh, Dream Master. Wasn't as good as Dream Warriors, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, would have liked it if Patricia Arquette returned to play Kristen again, but Tuesday night did a good job in taking her place, which I a hundred percent disagree with you on that one, sir. Sorry. Having the surviving kids from the previous movie staying longer than they did would have been nice, but I can understand why it had to be done because they just wanted to kill that whole storyline and start a new one, which is kind of lame. But again, I'm kind of with you. I understand it. Another thing I liked about this movie was that I introduced the character of Alex of Alice, which is a favorite of mine from this series. Uh, Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. When I was young and stupid, still that way. Uh, still that way, expect, except for the young part. I truly believe that this was going to be the final movie of the series. It wasn't my favorite by far, but it wasn't completely unwatchable. Uh, how both Carlos and Spencer were killed uh, were nice and were different from any of the previous kills in the series. They tried to do 3D, but it didn't work out. But I didn't really care since I'm not a fan of 3D anyways. On uh, New Nightmare, he goes on to say, this is definitely the best way to end up to this version of Nightmare on Elm Street. Having it take place in real life was a smart move and helped to bring the series back from a lesser quality that some of the previous movies had done. This is also a predecessor for Wes Craven as he would go on to do the Scream series. 
Agree with you 100%, sir. Uh, Freddy versus Jason. As a fan of both series, I wonder what would happen if they were in the same movie together. I didn't care if the movie wasn't a masterpiece. It was entertaining to see. The fights between Freddy and Jason were great and touched back to some of the old-time monster versus monster films. And definitely that movie took the best of both movies and, and just did cherry-pick the best of the best stuff and put it in Freddy versus Jason, which is why I think I really, really enjoyed the movie. Uh, as a whole, I enjoyed Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, it might have been rocky in some parts I would still watch the movies over some of the newer horror movies that have been released give the series a shot if you haven't already if you have consider watching them again for October and Halloween that's all for me see you next episode Anthony Epic Emailer thank you so much sir for all of your thoughts on that I really really appreciate that sir uh, good stuff you, you made a lot of good points man and uh, our final emailer comes from good old Monday night, Jason Watson. What's up, man? Haven't heard from you in forever. He's like, what is up, Masunas and the STL Nation? It's been a while since I emailed in, but I had to drop a few lines since you were covering my favorite of the big three slashers. Mr. Pizza Man, uh, Mr. Pizza Face himself, Fred Krueger. I remember that Nightmare 3 was the first horror movie that I saw. I was always remembering the death of Philip. The Freddy doll freaked me out when I was six. I didn't know if they were joking. I didn't know if it was the jokey way that Freddy killed people, but I always liked him over Michael and Jason. Uh, out of all the Nightmare movies, by the way, you are forgiven because you said that comment. I'm just messing with you. Out of all the Nightmare movies, there are three that stand out as the top three. Nightmare 1, 3, and New Nightmare. There you go. That's awesome, sir. I'm so glad that you agree. It's so awesome. He says, uh, the original Nightmare Nightmare 3 movie, in and out of the first and second place, depending on which one I watched at the time. Uh, with the low budget of the original, uh, with, uh, with as low budget at the original looked, uh, it will put most films that would call themselves horror to shame. The blood coming out of Glenn's bed is still one of the sickest deaths I've seen to this day. Nightmare 3 gave me uh, what we know to be as one-liner Freddy. Welcome to prime time, B. Uh, Wes Craven's new Nightmare usually uh, falls in the third spot. As much crap as this movie gets, I disagree with a lot of critics and believe that this flick is a great bookend to the series. It was something different, yet at the same time it felt at its core like it was a uh, Nightmare film which i agree 100 percent, sir in between the best and the worst nightmare movies there are two that would pass as uh, watchable nightmare 4 and final nightmare i agree with you there again sir nightmare 4 was one of the more financially successful films of the series even though it had its cheesy moments i can still watch this flick all the way through mostly for the final fight between alice and freddie Final Nightmare wasn't all that of a a successful flick, but it still did an okay job killing off Freddy, even though I felt at the end that he would come back again. Uh, Now, with all that said, there are three other films left. Nightmare 2 felt like a rewritten script with Freddy inserted into it. Nightmare 5, just a disappointment of a film. And the remake that never should have been. Uh, These are the worst of the bunch. If I could, I would erase these from everyone's memory. Uh, When it comes to Freddy vs. Jason, I would classify it as a messed up flick as a uh, mess up mesh up flick that was more of a freddy film than a jason one i really enjoyed the final showdown at the end the final ended in a draw while i'll stop there i'm sure you will do an awesome job covering all the films i'll try to shoot you an email uh i'll try to shoot you a new email soon till then you take it easy and i'll holla at you later Monday night, Jason. Thank you, sir. Uh, you guys all made great points, and you, the cool thing is, you all pretty much agree with what I had to, what, what I was saying. So that's pretty flipping awesome. 
So again, thank you guys so much uh, for writing in. And uh, if you want to write in, it's uh, sweepdelayedpodcast.yahoo.com or you can uh, CC um, at uh, CC, not CC, oh my gosh, at stlpodcast at gmail.com. So that is it for our emails. Let's get into the music spotlight. All right, music spotlight time. So here's the thing. I really wanted to play, um, you know, Nightmare on My Street, but I already did that on the very first episode, and uh, I thought I should definitely do something different. And this song is really, really funny, uh, and this is from the Fat Boys. Uh, this is kind of when Freddie kind of hit the music waves. He, he made a terrible album, Freddie's Greatest Hits. It's absolutely horrible. But he did this song called Do the Freddie with the Fat Boys. Good tune. I dig it a lot. It's really funny. Uh, it's a great way to end this episode because it's Freddy related. Uh, it's not as awesome as Nightmare on My Street by Will Smith, a.k.a. Fresh Prince, uh, with DJ Jazzy Jeff. But this song is really good, too. It's fun times. I think it's a perfect way to end this series review. So uh, overall, guys, um, I just wanted to thank you for joining me uh, on this episode. And uh, sorry it took so long to put together, but you guys know the crazy month that I had. And uh, you'll notice on uh, you got a bonus episode. Um, hopefully you really dig that. I know it's a different format than I've done before, but uh, that was something I wanted to do for a couple weeks now. And again, it's a very special episode, and I hope you enjoy that as well. And if you didn't listen to that episode, uh, the next movie series that will be the next movie that will be covered, uh, the movie that won the poll is uh robo uh, robocop it was robocop versus the terminator but the movie that won was the terminator and that's the good old arnold schwarzenegger classic so uh robocop has been thrown out uh maybe it will make a return sometime a couple years down the line but as of right now robocop is thrown out and we are covering uh the terminator i'm kind of excited and uh it's gonna be good times that'll be sometime next week i have no idea when i will let you guys know on the facebook page and if uh, you want to join the group it's uh, the stl nation just type that in facebook look for the group ask to join and you will be a part of it that's where all the hardcore fans get together and we talk about random fun stuff great topics we're all kind of a big random dysfunctional family it's good times uh, everybody puts their two cents in and uh, really help to uh, make the show as, as great as it could possibly be. So uh, don't forget to join that. And then if you like the Underground Hour, the STL Underground Hour, I've had a lot of great fan response to that. There's a new group for that as well. The name of that group is the STL Underground Hour. So go look that up if you want to join a part of that. It's strictly dealing with music, 100% music. So if you want to be a part of that, please join. And then uh, don't forget to write in. Don't forget to follow on Twitter. And then also, um, I got a new uh, iTunes review that uh, just came in today. And it was so flipping amazing. I know I usually read this part during emails, but uh, I just wanted to read this one really quick here. And uh, the person uh, that wrote in was uh, Panned X-Man. 
So uh, and the, the title says Fine Holiday Fun, five stars. Thank you so much. And it says one of the best 80s theme podcasts I've heard in a long time. Can't wait for the next ones for films, which I have lost track of over the years. Uh, so thank you so much for the iTunes review. It's been a while since I had a new one. Can't thank you enough. Thank you for the five star rating. I got 19 ratings now. And uh, I can't thank you enough. So that, that was great what you said. Hopefully, uh, the STL Nation, when we throw up movies to, to vote on, uh, hopefully there will be some classics that you want to hear. And uh, please join the fun. Uh, you can vote for that on the Sweep Delay podcast Facebook page. And uh, that usually stays up for a week. And then I announce the winner on the next episode. And uh, don't forget to check out my other shows. Uh, We have uh, Changing Channels Podcast with America's co-host Jameson. Uh, We just recently did uh, Thundercats. And the next episode will be on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So be on the lookout for that episode. Send in your emails for that. Don't forget to check out Movie Mojo Monthly, uh, his show that he does with Brian. And uh, don't forget to check out my buddy Jason, uh, Flicks, uh, Film and Focus, Show Me the Winston, and then the Crossroads podcast where he does Supernatural. Uh, it's a great podcast, good times. And then don't forget to check out the Shadowy Flight. That's a Night Rider podcast that I host. I have a new episode that should be uploading very soon. So be on the lookout for that as well. And uh, as far as what the next movies are going to be, here is the next movie mashup. All right, this is a big mashup. I, I promised everybody that I would uh, that I would do this one, and uh, it was going to be an epic one. It's three movies. I'm not normally going to do three. I'm usually going to do two, one against the other. But they're all related, and uh, it's going to be fun to see what you guys pick. Kindergarten Cop versus Twins versus Junior. That's it. You can only pick one. So make sure you pick the one that you want to hear the most. Now, if you're in the group, you'll get to choose twice. You'll get to do it once on the STL page, the other one in the group. So I'm very interested to see which one wins. Kindergarten Cop versus Twins versus Junior. That's the next matchup. Let's see who wins. So that's it, guys, for the episode. Thank you so much for joining me. Hopefully you dig the music spotlight. And uh, we'll get a new Underground Hour episode out Uh uh, soon, I don't know when. I've heard that my last episode uh, can't be topped, which was nice feedback to hear. And uh, I'm gonna try to top it, but it's gonna be a little while. I gotta kind of take a little break for just a little bit and kind of get some things together. Like I said, things are gonna be kind of inconsistent for a few weeks with some family issues at this moment in time. But uh, when I get the episode out, I will let you know when it's gonna be hidden your feed soon so don't forget to vote for kindergarten cop versus twins versus junior so uh, you guys take care masuna south springwood's nightmares are just beginning <laughs> Freddy Krueger's the name. 
time. Listen to this. Yo, bust the ride. Fred Krueger, the myth of Fred Krueger, the man. It doesn't matter because I'm still rapping about him. I'm saying, so sit back, check. I'm going to bust the ride. Grab a hole in your face. It's Krueger time. It's time for Fred. See, I'm a popular guy. If you don't know yet, you're going to find out why. Man! Yeah. <laughs> 